Are you kidding me? You wouldn't fucking read about it. The first season of Ain't That Swell has been discovered. It was buried deep in some digital vault guarded by an army of translucent little zucks. But the proud swelling army prevailed puckering their faces with psilocybin buckshot. And now it's ours. All ours. <laughs> While I go on a surf trip, you're going to get to listen to the genesis of this program, recorded back in 2011 and 2012. Who better to begin this bizarre and shambolic journey than with the swellian spirit animal and grand shaman of shenanigans, Aussie Wright. There's a sick episode with Clara Alexander, Paddy Goudang, Dave Wassell and Lewis Samuels breaking down the 2012 cloud break swell, while other guests include Fergal Smith, Chipper Wilson, Pete Devries, Matty Wilco, and many fucking more. My co-host is Ryman, a mad stoner, waxhead, and mutual friend of mine and Vaughn's, who said a total of 17 words in season one, but fuck, he was a wizard on the controls. Are you kidding me? Couldn't have done it without you, Ryman. He uh, is responsible for the show intro, among many, many other things, and uh, put up with some of my <laughs> my fucking bodgy radio journalism skills, as you'll uh, hear in the coming episodes. Tell you what, it's also pretty weird listening to the 24-year-old version of yourself in peak identity crisis, trying to imitate the mainstream radio nerds. Have a teaspoon of psilocybin and loosen up, Jedim, you cunts. Fuck's wrong with ya? Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and I ask you're gonna find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the poor back. Drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table, please? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell. With Jed and Ryman. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut. Yes, Shrednicks, Waxheads, Frothers, Sweaters, Howleys, Barneys, Kooks and Blowins. Welcome to the first ever show of Ain't That Swell, your weekly dredge of all things surfing. We've got some show to you, for you today, haven't we, Ryman? Right, you are, Jed. We're heading to Brazil with Matt Wilkinson to lift the skirt on the Billabong Pro Rio de Janeiro. Even if it's a one-foot little closeout, if you look at one of their waves, they'll... To keep you guys abreast on what's happening in all corners of the surfing globe, we're going to suss out Ireland's west coast with this week's obscure surf check. A lot of people I haven't seen have paddled into heavy waves and now they're into towing into big waves, which is kind of a bit mad. First, we're joined here in the studio by a renaissance man of sorts, a surfer who's not only redefined the very essence of what it is to be a board rider, but by virtue of his vision and commitment to having a gay old time, has grafted himself an unlikely career as an artist, pro surfer, designer, and all-round groover. He's going to play us five records and talk about his life and times, Mr. Ozzy Wright. 
Hi guys! How are you doing, Ozzy? Doing fantastically. <laughs> Welcome to Ain't That Swell. Pleasure to have you on our first segment. Proud to be here, Ryan. <laughs> now, um, I think first up, well, what are you going to play for us first, Osman? Well, it's hard. I've got seven tracks here. It's hard to narrow it down. But um, I think I'm going to go with this Daniel Johnson track because you were just talking about all these other places around the world. It reminded me of the time when I was in Texas and I saw the big mural on the wall of the cafe that he had painted back in Austin. Uh, I was there with the Goons of Doom. We were doing South by Southwest. All right, man, let's hear it. So Daniel Johnston, what's the track called? Uh, the Chords of Love. Actually, I heard that this might be a cover. Miley said she was in minis one day and she heard this song playing an older version, so I right. it. I think he's done an appropriation of the lyrics because, uh, well, you'll hear it. Press play now. I found him by the stage last night. He was breathing his last breath. A needle full of heroin was all that he had left. I can see that you make music because you carry your guitar. But God help the troubadour who tries to be a star. So there you have it, Daniel Johnston. What was it called again? Chords of Love? Yeah, Chords of Love. Now, was he, uh, I wanted to chat to you, man, about, uh, about your youth growing up in North Narrabeen, the, the competitive heartland of Australian surfing. It's produced, you know, some of the, our, our greatest, uh, 
greatest names. I suppose you've got Barton Lynch there. No, he's from Manly, but close. But he, he surfed there, I well, suppose. You're right. I've seen Sorry, him there man. before. Tom Carroll? Close. Newport, Newport guy? Yeah, close. Duma? North Narrabeen. All North. the way, mate. Nathan Hedge? Hog dog. Originally from DY, then moved to North Narrabeen. Had mm. quite a successful career. Go hoggy! <laughs> and of course, Noodles? Noodles, Webster. Narrabeen to the bone, to the long skinny bone. <laughs> and uh, I mean, how did you fit into that scene? Because it was a very competitive vibe. It was a very aggro vibe from, uh, from what I've been told. I mean, I wasn't around at that yeah. time. But... I fit in perfectly uh, about a thousand metres south of the break at South Narrabeen. I, I had my own spot there and um, I was always welcome there. Yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of resisted. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose yeah, you didn't really fit, fit into that whole mould, did you? <laughs> well, I could have tried to fit in, but I would have had to fit into the dog cage, apparently, at board riders. You know, they used to like, you know, it was kind of like a bucks party if you surfed at Narrabeen all the time. Yeah. North Narrabeen, bit of a bucks party, boys club. Loves, I mean, you know, I just, I just ran down the street and I had my own beach to myself and I mainly just stuck at South Narrabeen. What did they used to do? They used to like tie kids up to, to you know, light poles with leg ropes and all that <laughs> kind of homoerotic madness. Yeah, they were just, you know, they were just, a, it was all that Sarge era kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of legends there, but you know, I sort of fit in more with the Longy boys and the Southy boys. Yeah, and, and it was interesting, uh, a lot of your mates from that period, who, who are we talking? Like, uh, we've got Vaughan Blakey now, editor of Surfing World, Chris Searle. Mm-hmm. Uh, started Monster Children. We've got the Subi Lads. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Fain, CEO of Inside. It's quite a quite an eclectic and successful uh, group of friends. Yeah. You had there. How many, uh, were you conscious? How did that How did that come about? How- I don't know. I guess we were, we were all kids. We just all started surfing. Everyone was into drawing and painting, and um, I, I was a really creative bunch. I guess it just seemed like that's what you did. Like, so once one person did it, the other person did it, and. Before you knew it, we all sort of were into this stuff, and you know, I guess it was like a, I don't know, what would you call it? But yeah, they've definitely done well. And Subi's first range was, in fact, uh, designed in your garage down there in uh, South Narrabeen, yeah, was 29 it? Twenty nine Park Street, Narrabeen. We ate some chocolate mushroom cubes for inspiration. <laughs> Stapled each other to the wall to the fibro. What do you call it? That poisonous fiberglass walls that houses were made of. Asbestos. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were in the zone. Now, uh, it's Sydney Fashion Week at the moment, Aussie, and uh, I believe you attended Subi's, well, what, is it, what do they call those, uh, the you know, new season launch last night in, in the city? I actually didn't make my spot. I had a seat in the front row at the catwalk show, but I was um, late on the way home from Aussie Pipe, and I missed the show, but I did go to the after party at the Flinders Bar, and it was pretty rocking. It was rocking? All the Sydney hip cats were there looking groovy and doing the sidestep to the rap tracks. <laughs> Alright, so uh, yeah, what do we got now? What do we got coming up? I believe it's a local band. Yeah, well, because since we're talking about the area, these are these kids from Mona Vale called The Ruminators, and Goons of Doom have done a few shows with them, and they're just really great kids, and they totally rock. What's the name of this one? Dead Stuff. Dead Stuff by The Ruminators, let's have it.
Terminators out of Mona Vale with Dead Stuff. Now, the third track you're going to play, Ozzy, is one of your father's tracks. And um, it's, it's an interesting story, actually, about your family. Uh, a very, uh, I suppose you'd call it a peculiar upbringing. Uh, you, your dad, Rick, of course, was a, you know, an artist, a musician, a poet, a writer. Uh, you had, uh, was it your Uncle Peter? Uncle Peter, he was a great painter, yeah. He was, he was, he was a, a contemporary of Brett Whiteley's, I believe. Yeah, he was one of the boys at the Yellow House, friends with all the, you know, the... The, I guess famous painters of the day in Sydney and of those days there was quite a few mm. and your sister uh, Annie is it? yeah Annie Rose Wright or now Annie Zawada her and Jonathan who's an amazing artist and they've both gone to live in Hollywood right now and Johnny's got his paintings hanging alongside Warhol and all the stars of America but <laughs> I think uh, no, nothing trumps your grandma tell us about tell us about your G-ma Ozzy she's uh, a classic yeah. story my mum's mum Anne Gash she was um real original woman she sort of grew up and up there at Bayview with she had six children but she was apparently more interested in looking after her prized angora goats that she used to enter in um competitions yeah, what's the deal with that angora goats oh just really sweet you know nice silky haired goats she loved them <laughs> she apparently she looked after them really well but then when her and her husband broke up uh she put her share of the money into a 25 foot folk boat and took off to uh, she was going to london she wanted to do a course on learning how to play the flute and building your own flutes. So she sailed there um, by herself without any electronical navigation equipment and, um, you know, just a total adventure woman. She sailed around the whole world, took her three years. and Dude, She was that, in her 50s. Yes, yes, that's quite strange. I mean, by those standards, you're just some lame conservative, aren't you, Ozzy? Totally, absolutely. <laughs> real straight-laced, short back and sides kind of guy. Huge boots to fill in my family. So, um, yeah, and what, your, dad, your dad's band, the Boston Blackies? Yeah, the Boston Blackies Bonza Boys. Uh, Rodney Black, he was a great painter, and he married my dad's little sister and had three kids with her, and um, he was a pretty charismatic guy. Great singer. His good looks got him into trouble. <laughs> and this is actually a live recording from, uh, we believe, the Yellow House down there in King's Cross, an iconic, an iconic kind of gallery night spot. Yeah. Very dingy, very grimy yeah, sort the, of setup. The hip Sydney artist, uh, what do you call it? Residents of the s- 60s, I think, the late 60s. The Yellow House in King's Cross, they used to do a lot of gigs there. And um, yeah, I've had this tape in my collection for, uh, you know, since I was a kid. I finally got it transferred to digital, so now you can all hear it. And this is a Beatles cover by them. Immortalised. All right, let's hear it. Stolen his dreams by 
Boston Blackies Bonzer Boys. Perfect. Rocky Raccoon and Beatles cover. Yeah. Ozzy's uh, uncle and dad in there. Yeah, dad was on the bush bass, the oh, teacher's nice. stand-up the teacher's bass. Yeah. Yep. Bit of car horn honk yep. in, honking in there. And Uncle Pete on the vocals. Uh, was uncle Ron on the vocals. All oh, right. Uncle Pete was just in the crowd doing some expressive dance. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and so um, you've got your own band, obviously, the Goons of Doom. Everyone yeah. will be quite familiar with you guys in your Everyone. last decade on the Everyone's Australian rock and roll scene. Yeah. <laughs> and you got a new um, kind of album coming out, don't you? Yeah, Revenge of the Goons. Revenge of the Goons. Yeah. What album number is this one? This is album number three. Album number three. Which is not a very good since we've been together nearly 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, you know we, we mainly just do gigs and we all write thousands of songs and they just sort of yeah. don't get recorded because we're not very, um, you know motivated on making it we oh, just, right. we're in it for the good times yeah fair enough and you're releasing it on the world real soon there's a couple yeah. of singles out there isn't there on the world wide web yeah it's going to be released so you can buy it if you live in Finland you can buy it if you live in the Antarctica 
Yeah, as Revenge long as of the Goons. Got an internet connected server. So um, we well we're gonna play Goons track. Which one are we gonna play? Uh, this is We Don't Care. It's one of Killer Whale's songs off the new uh, albums. One of my favourites.
Goons of Doom with We Don't Care there. Killer Whale Cooney on vocals. The Destroyer, Mr. Rock and Roll. Yeah. How's he doing? He had a he had a battle with uh, what was it cancer recently? Yeah, it was. He's That's doing healthy. he's doing amazing. Yeah. He's, um, just it's just unbelievable. He's looking healthy as he just got his teeth because he was missing four teeth. Um, you know, he's just he's on fire. He's recording some great new songs with his other band, the Dusty Duets, and they got a gig Saturday night. Plug away, man. Plug away. Yeah. Saturday night. Saturday night. When's this going to air? Right. Uh, it's right now, right? Yeah, yeah, Saturday you're live. Night. Saturday. Where, where? Where are the clowns? I don't know where it is. Cowboys on the drums. When is it? No. He doesn't know where it is. Saturday night. Dusty Duet. Out. Somewhere. <laughs> Google it. Um, well, finally, we have a track uh, from you and your wife, Miley, or is it partner? Sorry, I don't know what the uh, technicalities are there. Yeah, well... Yeah. Some sort of union. Yeah, there's a beautiful union there. <laughs> well, anyway, you, that union has produced a child, uh, Rocky River, right, who's just started school, I believe, Ozzy. So that's oh, a, a bit of a change of priorities for you, man. Yeah, he's at well, kindy. He's three days a week at kindy, uh, which is, you know, we've got to get up and make him lunch, take him to kindy. <laughs> then we don't see him for six hours and we miss him and then we pick him up. And um, he's stoked. He loves it. Uh, being a dad's the best thing in the world. Best thing ever happened to me. But how do you juggle it, man? I mean, you're, you're still a progressive, progressive surfer, progressive talent. Mate, it's busy. I'm very busy. Just, you know, <laughs> run down the beach, run up here, do a painting, change Rocky's nappy. Well, that was four years ago. He doesn't wear nappies anymore. <laughs> but it's unreal. I just love it.
All right, that was Miley and Ozzy. And uh, man, thanks for joining us here in the studio and bringing a few records to play. No worries, Jed. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's, um, it was really fun. Thanks to Ozzy for joining us. Now, Ryan, man, shall we go to Rio? Pro Rio de Janeiro is upon us and what an event it is. Brazil is a part of the tour that is all too often shrouded in mystery. We watch it from a distance and every year there's new rumours, Jed. Rumours about the women, the drugs and the passion. The passion, Jed. Do you know passion? No, right, man. Passion. I, I do not know passion. Not the way the Brazilians know we, passion. We know no passion. We're far too white-bred to know passion. Uh, but with all the mystery, the beauty and the danger of Rio de Janeiro... Who better to chat to than a man who thrives in the dirty back rooms of professional surfing? A board rider whose backside attack is only equaled by his attacks on family values and his own dignity. Matt Wilkinson. Yeah, what's going on? Hi, man. Yeah, just in Newport, cruising. Oh, right. So you're back in Newport. I believe that's... Um, is this your first time back since you were arrested uh, last year for public drunkenness? It seems a little harsh, seems a little fascist, no no public sleeping. I mean where do you where where do you draw the line on that, Wilco? Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably deserved it. I was had a bit too much to drink and I was walking home and I rolled my ankle and sat down and had a little nap and then they came and woke me up but I guess in most other most other towns they wouldn't wouldn't get you arrested but in Newport they're pretty pretty uptight and um, I don't know I guess it was but well, uh, anyway, Rio is the next stop in the main game, Wilco. What's the first thing you think about when you think Rio? Um, I guess it just has to be big old bums. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there's some, uh, there's definitely some women around. Um, now, but what about, you know, with surfing, in, in terms of warming up for an event like that, how do you go, like, uh, with the crowd and the kind of hassle factor at the beach breaks around it? Um, yeah, I guess there's not too much, not too much warming up you can do. It's, it's a big city and it's kind of the closest way to the city, so it's always going to be crowded. And the Brazilians are such a passionate bunch that even if it's a one-foot little closeout, if you look at one of their waves, they'll try and jiu-jitsu you. So there's not too much warming up you can do out there. You're just going to go out in your heat and do your best. Ah, that's interesting, Wilco. It's interesting you say that because I believe one year while you were warming up uh, for a, a WQS event, not in Rio, in Brazil though, you, ha you had a little altercation, didn't you, with uh, the uh, two-time world junior champion Pablo Paulino. He got a bit slap happy with you, did he not? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. We had a, I guess we had a little little hassle at the world juniors a few weeks before at Narabeen, and. Um, and then once I got to Brazil, he just sort 
saw me out in the lineup and he was on his own turf and he just stroked over towards me and started yelling at me and being a, I don't know, I'm not going to say it. But, uh, he, ended up slapping, he ended up slapping me because I wouldn't take his shit. Ah, but you got him back, didn't you? You got him back uh, just a few, just a few weeks later, or a few events later in uh, in Spain. Can you tell us a bit about uh, about the payback, Wilco? <laughs> yeah, um, I guess we were out one night and I was uh, down with a chick and her friend was there and he came and tried to tried to get get the chick's friend and so kind of. I guess I ended up taking him both times. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. Very good. Uh, what's that? I don't want him to. Just inspired us here. <laughs> <laughs> he drove you that extra mile and you made that, that non-reality a reality. Ah, uh, yeah, too good. That's a guy that would usually want to have a threesome. I just, <laughs> I just had to do it. Now, there's been some great clips um, emerging of you on the internet, Wilco. That, that famous backhand of yours has been, you know, on point. But um, I think you may have also let slippers to uh, your secret weapon in one of your clips, uh, didn't you, Wilco? No, what? Uh, your secret weapon. I believe we, we caught a, a brief glimpse of your um, your, your secret weapon. Uh, I mean, uh, if you haven't seen the clip, if you haven't seen the in the clip, uh, Wilco's, um, well, I suppose we can only describe it as a... Some somewhat of a, a plus size penis uh, emerged during one of the clips. Woke up. <laughs> You're not aware. You don't even know when it's flopping out. The, the uh, I think you you surfing in a beaver tail, and the beaver tail seems to come uh, oh, yeah, yeah. unbuttoned at the front. Now, um, this really interested myself and Ryan man here as two moderately hung surfers and. And uh, far inferior surfers as well. I mean, uh, does it help having that kind of extra weight between the legs? Is it like a, a ballast of sorts? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I don't. I wouldn't call it plus size, and especially once it gets in the water, it shrinks down to definitely not plus size. You seem to be doing okay. I mean, well, compared to some of the um, smaller men on tour anyway, say a CJ or Damien Hobnob, a, a Freddie PP or, or an Adriano Dick Souza, um, do you feel it gives you an advantage over some of those smaller men? <laughs> if, if I have an advantage over them, I don't know why I'm behind them on the rating. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes, that's a good point. But, uh, you know, you're sitting at uh, a bit lower on the ASP rankings heading into Brazil at 19th. Uh, what, what are you looking for out of Brazil? Um, yeah, I'm kind of sitting, sitting a bit further, further down than I would have liked to right now. Bells and, um, Bells and Snapper are two of my kind of favourite events. But um, I don't know, I'd like, I'd like at least a, at least a quarterfinal at, um, in Brazil. It's, the way it kind of suits me. It's, it's fun for hands and um, pretty good for forehand forehand turn, so I hope I can go and kind of put a few waves together and find myself in the back end of the contest, get myself up there ready. All right, Wilco. Well, uh, thanks for joining us on Ain't That Swell, and good luck in the event, man. <laughs> Jed, do you ever wake up, scan the horizon down here at Bondi and think, hmm, I wonder if that left wedge in Angola is working right now? 
Yeah, that's right, man. All the time, all the time. Which is why here at Ain't That Swell, in our bid to keep our listeners abreast of surf happenings across the globe, we bring you... The Obscure Surf Check. Yeah, now this week's guest is a man you might remember for his cameo in the seminal short film Dark Side of the Lens, as well as the uh, the other Irish surf film Powers of Three. His exploits along Ireland's west coast have garnered worldwide press, and with their swell-packed uh, freezing winter concluding recently, we thought it'd be a good time to get Fergal Smith on the line. Schmiffy, how do you do? Good, thanks, Jed. How are you? I'm very good, man. Uh, how's the surf? Yeah, it's like howling northeast and about, yeah, one inch... Offshore. Right, and wh- how's your winter up there, man? So you've just come out of the winter, the, the swell season? Yeah, totally good waves. We had, like, good run in November for three weeks, pretty much good waves, light winds and good swell, and then just days, like, you know, one day in December or two days, they're just kind of standouts, and then another one or two days in January, and then March is really good. We had good run in March. We're kind of just the odd day here and there, and then a lot of miserable, windy, wet crap. So, so in the depths of your winter up there, Fergal, did you did you dream of the tropics, man? Did you did you think, ah, oh, what am I doing? You know, it's the, it's the season in Hawaii right now too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter who you, you can't help it. Like, I don't know, we probably had maybe two months of just big, stormy, windy, wet, crap waves, and you do question every time, go, what the hell am I doing here? Because it doesn't really make any sense. But then, you know, for me, it's kind of I like being here and, you know, it just takes one window and it's best day of the year and if you're in another country and that happens, then yeah, that kind of, that killed me really, so it's kind of just worth waiting out all that crap and so many times we've had people come over and they spend a month here and not even surf and just go home. In the two weeks I spent up there, have you, uh, I got to know a few of your uh, stranger ticks, Fergal. One of them I, I just couldn't, still, I still can't get, uh, get my head around. You, you don't, you refuse to hang your wetsuit out. You like to leave it. I haven't left it out. I hang it out, but I just I leave it outside. I don't ever hang it up inside. That's nice. Right, right. So you, you you tend to you tend to end up with like an almost frozen, solid, stiff wetsuit in the mornings. Yeah, I think it's just I don't know, maybe a bit of laziness, but more. I just think the moment you get start stressing about having a dry wetsuit, it's game over over here. Like you, you just gotta be used to it and. If it's always wet, then you don't know any difference, do you? Good point, man. Good point. How, how much? Uh, how much of surfing in Ireland is about mental toughness and just the kind of oh yeah, like you just you just tell yourself yeah, this isn't so bad. I mean, because I, I found it per- personally excruciating. I I, I, I can't say I I, uh, I enjoy the experience, but I, I can't say that I would uh, you know really love to go surfing there again. And no offense. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's that's the beauty of it. Like at the end of the day, like we have amazing ways. Everyone knows that now. But you know, most people just don't really enjoy it. And you know, if you don't enjoy it, why would you be here? And but then when you grow up somewhere, it's totally different. I grew up here, and I'm, I was used to growing up in shit three mil wetsuits all winter. So now I'm wearing brand new six mils. You know, it's to me it's luxury these days. <laughs> so it's not actually a hardship anymore. And the only thing is this: when you just you know, you don't feel like you're in a tough tunnel of just storms and no waves. That is, that's the mental strength to kind of realise it does get good every now and again. You just have to remember that. So you're still collaborating with Mickey a lot? How's he doing, man? Yeah, he's good. Um, 
he's had a baby girl in uh, November, so uh, he's been had a, a playful, you can say. Yeah, and of course, Mickey's the uh, Mickey's the filmmaker behind Dark Side of the Lands, and who's uh, since I suppose he's he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of cred, I suppose, in the in the indie, indie film world um, because of it. Yeah, definitely, he's inundated with jobs, and people want to work with him and stuff. So it's been great. He's, yeah, he's been we worked on a couple of well, he's got a couple of gigs working for like Hollywood movies and just filming like you know dark scenic stuff and. To be helping out with that and stuff. So yeah, it's been cool. We're getting lots of opportunities out of it, which is great. Now, Fergal, there's been a there's been some big news in in, in tow world recently. Obviously, with um, what went down in Tahiti recently, and I mean, when it comes down to it, you prefer paddling as opposed to towing. Um, but wh- where do you draw the line? Do you feel? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you kind of whatever whatever you're feeling, I suppose. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's, for me, it's all definitely about paddling because but then at the same time we get so many big raw swells here that aren't paddleable and there's amazing barrels to be had so there is a time where you know if you feel like that's what you want to do it's yeah, it's an amazing experience being able to ride waves like that so you can't deny it totally definitely a, an amazing tool to be able to ride waves that totally aren't paddleable but yeah at the end of the day you know I'd, I'd rather paddle into you know, perfect eight foot waves and get towed into a massive mongoose barrel. It's just a totally different sport, nearly that. Yeah, right. That's interesting because Ireland is beginning to develop um, a tow scene of sorts. Um, it's also, and you've also actually copped a bit of heat from from some of the locals there regarding the amount of publicity Ireland's kind of receiving, I suppose, because of the work that you and Mickey are doing. Not that you're trying to expose it, but uh, it's it's inevitable. Um, I mean, what do you see as your role in, in preserving the surf culture up in Ireland? Yeah, like we did, always when you start anything new and change comes to an area, people are always going to have grumblings and give out, but and we've been at it, whatever, five or six years, kind of every winter, and now everyone can kind of see that it was never our motive to exploit the place. We just want to ride waves as best we can and document them best we can, and that's kind of always been our goal. And What's happened that is unfortunately probably due to us getting all this exposure is a lot of people getting involved in tow surfing and it's a lot of surfers that mightn't really generally be that heavily involved in heavy waves like they mightn't have paddling like a lot of people I haven't seen them paddle into heavy waves and now they're into towing into big waves which is kind of a bit mad and doesn't really make any sense and then there's you know a lot more guys in the water that aren't really about the waves it's more just because they can do it on a jet ski and then and the media love us like the media love big, big waves they always have so if you tow into a big wave it will get exposure and that's where it's kind of getting a bit out of control i think too true man all right well Ferg, thanks for the obscure surf check buddy no worries With the west coast of Ireland being one of the world's richest folk music hubs, we asked Fergal to pick a track to take us out. This is Lunasa with Boy in the Boat. <laughs> 